Hey, welcome back to the podcast. It's Peter Day, and I'm going to jump into this one with a few topics. So the point of this podcast, I want to talk about relationships because this business is really a relationship type of business, and the relationships are sometimes more important than your product or service. I'm sure you've seen this many times, but you could have the same type of leads and the same type of quality as another lead vendor. Let's say if you're in the affiliate marketing lead type of business, which a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, you could essentially be offering up the same thing, but then if you have a better relationship with a client, you could just get more cap, get a higher payout, and get paid faster, and just have an overall better return and experience with this client. I mean, we see it all of the time, because quite frankly, it's pretty easy if you work hard enough to get a quality lead. But at some point, it it does get harder to be that much more quality. I mean, let's just say that, you know, if if 10 out of 10 is the best quality, I feel like it's, you know, pretty easy for people to strive really hard and get to an 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 or even a 10 out of 10. But, you know, to actually be sitting around all day thinking about, well, how do I actually get the leads, you know, 11 out of 10 or 12 out of 10 or some like ridiculously supreme quality, that has not actually been that easy. And then what I've seen in my experience is once accomplishing that, it's usually just um, taken a toll when it comes to volume, right? In my experience, it's been better to deliver great quality leads at very, very high volume than to try to deliver the best leads that anyone could ever provide in terms of like uh, a 12 out of 10 at some at some super low volume because you got to realize it's a fine line these companies that are buying leads they want good quality but they also want volume you can't tell the company oh yes i can generate you the finest leads ever and they're going to be the highest quality that you have above every other affiliate but by the way i can only get like 200 of these a day they're like well okay and then and then they're just going to be forced to just go buy you know, 10,000 leads a day from some affiliate that, that that just has an 8 out of 10 quality just to fit volume demand. So what's important is to realize that, listen, you might not be able to at some point get the quality of the leads any better. Like I said, if you've figured out how to get the quality a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, you might just be spinning your wheels trying to figure out how to actually get those leads to be some 12 out of 10 or something unrealistic in terms of closing rate, in terms of the um, whatever you're doing in the product or the business. So then the the, the only levers you have left to pull is the relationship. Because like I said, let's say you're selling leads for auto insurance, okay? And let's just say, for example, you're one of, you know, 100 or more. 100, let's just say, is a big auto insurance company. And there's you... And there's 400 other lead vendors that they view as their go-to lead vendors, okay? And let's just say, you know, your quality is on point with all these other people. You've done everything you can. You're not going to be able to sit around and hypothetically, sure, if you figured out how to get your leads, you know, to be a 15 out of 10 or a 14 out of 10 or some crazy... um type of quality, I'm sure these companies would treat you like your preferred partner just based off off of quality and 
you know, they would give you a huge allocation of their traffic and stuff like that. But what's been, again, more realistic is for all these lead vendors to practically just have the same quality. And then where you could really shine is with the relationship. So, I mean, let's just face it. Let's say your leads are the same quality as the other 200 people where you could, you know, stand out is by offering better customer service, being more attentive, not getting into arguments with the clients. I mean, some people just have a bad temperament and a bad um, attitude. I was on the phone with a client about a year and a half ago and everything was going well. And then the client was upset about one thing and it's just like full blown, just rampage and like, you know, F word everywhere. I'm like, man, it's just, that's just not going to fly, right? It's just not going to fly for a long term um, relationship. The client was doing that to me. So it's just important that you understand that the quality of the leads is not the only lever in the business. And that doesn't say to not focus on quality. In fact, it's quite the opposite. If your quality is bad, it's quality is probably the most important thing. Let's put it that way. But what I'm trying to emphasize is that once your quality gets good, it's been tricky to get it you know, even better and better and better and and better and better. If it was that easy to do that feat, everyone would be doing it. All of your competitors would just have that 15 out of 10 style quality and then they would be, you know, and... But then if it was that easy and everyone was doing it, then then everyone would just have the 15 out of 10 quality and there would be really no differentiation between anyone anymore when it comes to quality anyway. And then the only differenti- differentiation becomes relationship, trust, history, track record, maybe your company's reputation. I mean, one thing that Optimize to Convert my company does really well at is our reputation. I mean, sometimes people want to work with us before we've even talked to them. They said, oh, man, I've heard of you guys and I've wanted to work with you guys for so long. I just didn't know how to get in touch with you or something, right? So reputation is really important. Relationship is really important. And just always thinking what is going to be good for the relationship because not everything that might be the best for you is the best thing for the relationship. And I want to give some examples. I had an instance come up in business um, about two weeks ago where I had an offer that I was very excited about. It was unrelated to lead generation and we were testing it on a small scale. It was essentially an e-commerce type of offer. And we were selling it with a uh, with the client's call center, and I want to emphasize that it wasn't even my call center. We don't we don't have any call centers right now. Not to say we want it in the future, but I emphasize that because basically what happened was we were selling this e-commerce product on Facebook, generating leads. The client was then talking to those leads over the phone with their call center. Okay. And then what happened was about four weeks ago, me and one of my other team members, we got on the phone because, you know, in the e-commerce world, there's refunds and chargebacks. These things are common in in e-commerce. I mean, if someone wants to refund their product, they can refund their product. And if they want to charge back, they can charge back. And different companies handle it different ways. If you work, let's say, with ClickBank, ClickBank typically um, does refunds and chargebacks. That being said... 
you can get straight CPA deals with ClickBank, right? It kind of all boils down to the deal. And, you know, but then there's some other um, affiliate networks like MaxWeb that are known for never doing a refund or a chargeback. Like if you're working with MaxWeb or Digistore, um, let's say for VSL type of offers or straight CPA type of offers, they're known for never doing a refund. They just bake it all into the CPA. So about a month ago, we jump on the phone with this client. Everything's going well. And it was actually an offer that I was very excited about, which I think is part of the frustration because it was something that was new. It was up and coming. I thought it was maybe the next best thing, um, something like that, right? And anyway, we get on the call with the client about four weeks ago, and I reiterate over the phone. And the mistake was I should have got it in writing. That That's the big mistake here. So over the phone, I said to the client, I said, it's great that we're getting all of these sales. They were paying um, $85 a sale. I said, it's great that we're getting all these sales, but I just want to confirm, literally verbally over the phone, I say, I just want to confirm that there will be no refunds and no chargebacks. And they say, oh, during this testing period and for the duration of this test, there's going to be no refunds and no chargebacks. They literally confirm optimistically, you know, without hesitation, they confirm verbally over the phone that, that it's $85 straight sale. And even if they get refunds or chargebacks off of the sales, they agreed that they would still pay the 85 bucks. They verbally blatantly agree to this over the phone. I guess for us, we what we should have done looking back on it now, retrospectively, we should have immediately sent out some kind of updated IO that says, you know, no refunds, chargeback. We didn't do that. We just took their word for it. Now, listen what happens. Two weeks ago, we get a, <laughs> a text. Really, it, was, it wasn't even a call. It was a text from the client. And he goes... You know, due to some refunds we got, we're going to have to scrub them out of your invoice. And I'm going, dude, like, you got to be kidding. Like, we just had this conversation two weeks ago. No refunds, no chargebacks. We verbally confirmed it. Not only that, I have, I had, like, there was four other people on the phone or something. One, there was someone from my team on the phone. I think there was a couple people from his team on the phone. There was all these people that heard this go down so I'm not making up stuff so he comes back two weeks ago and he says he says I know that I owe you $24,000 but because we got some refunds I'm only paying 16 and I'm like like what are you talking about like why why would you why would you do that first of all why why would you so you know verbally affirm that is no refunds or chargebacks and then when it comes time to pay the bill just try to do exactly what he said he was not going to do i mean it's crazy but anyway the the crazier part of this whole entire situation is they're wanting us to keep sending traffic they're saying guys we're only going to pay instead of twenty four thousand dollars we're going to only pay sixteen thousand dollars but we want you to continue and we want to continue doing business. And I'm just telling, I'm just talking to my team. I say, guys, this this just doesn't seem right. They don't honor their word over the phone. They tell us one thing and do another. 
First of all, the invoice, by the way, it wasn't even negotiated. I, I think I would have respected the situation a little bit more if it was a choice. It wasn't even a choice. I just got a text message. They said, we got some refunds and we've decided to pay $16,000 out of the 24 here, here's the 16, and they just sent the 16, so now I have the 16. They just basically stole the other 8,000 bucks when, by going against their, their word. And now it's like, what am I supposed to do about it? I mean, it's not like they owe, they, they paid me the 16, so the 16's sitting there. They basically just shafted me this other eight for absolutely no reason other, other than going against what they said they were going to do. And I just pushed back on them. I said, guys, you got to realize that why would we want to continue working with you when this is the type of behavior? I mean, you're asking us to continue doing business. I mean, this this to me went from a deal that I was very excited about to something that I have like zero interest in right now. I mean, not only that, it seems like a very high risk kind of thing now. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to trust these guys now? We're supposed to go send a hundred thousand dollars of sales and, um, you know, just hope that the hundred comes. I mean, this is very risky. I mean, what if we send them a hundred thousand dollars of sales and we just get a call that they're only paying on like 30,000 out of the hundred for absolutely no reason other than, you know, they just want to you know, mess with an affiliate's invoice again or something. So in here's what I would have done in that situation. I want to put, I, I'm going to put myself in their shoes. And what I would have done is, it depends on how much I valued the relationship. But what I would have done in that situation, if I were them, is if, if I really, really, really got some crazy refunds to where it was kind of like a big hit, I would never have forced that kind of stiffing or shortaging on someone. What I would have done is I would have said, um, I would have tried to explain the situation. So I would have called up, I I would have said, you know, listen, um, we, I know that I owe you $24,000 and I agreed to that. I agreed to no refunds or chargebacks, but here's the reality. We did get you know, a bunch of refunds and chargebacks. I'm wondering if we can come to any kind of reasonable, um, you know, middle ground on these, full transparency. I'm going to lose, you know, 6,000 bucks, 8,000 bucks on the traffic, whatever. And by the way, the, I mean, it was really bad. They, they weren't even trying. Okay. So, okay. It's really bad. They, they, they didn't just try to reduce the last invoice from, 24,000 to 16,000. That's 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 not the extent of what they did. What what they also did was they told us that they were retroactively also going to just charge refunds out of every invoice they've ever paid. I mean, it's just like so bad after just agreeing to no refunds or charge. It's kind of working with let's say it's like working with ClickBank. They give you a CPA deal, right? A lot of you guys are familiar with ClickBank. It's like working with ClickBank. They give you a CPA deal. Let's just say they pay you $100 CPA. You do that for like a month and a half, and then they say, oh, because 
we got these refunds, we're actually going to have to go retroactively take those refunds out of your commissions from the past and then impute that out of your current invoice. I mean, it's just it's just not it's not right, right? And what's crazy, again, I would get it if there was something, like, really wrong or if there was something bad. You know, I get it, like, if it was fraudulent traffic or just something crazy, right? I get it. But in this case, these guys go, I want to shave that invoice that amount. And then, after that, they say, after that's taken care of, we would like to continue doing business and we would like you to send 150 sales a week. That's literally, I have the email in front of me. They go, they go after this invoice is taken care of, we do want to keep working with you. We want to continue. We want to move forward. They even said they're going to take some measures on their end to prevent refunds and chargebacks, implying that it wasn't even my fault. They're going to take measures on their end to eliminate or reduce refunds and chargebacks, and they would like us to continue right away, right away is the vocabulary, and to produce 150 sales a week. I'm going, guys, this is just like crazy. I mean, this is just not how you treat someone in this business, especially if you want to continue working with them. So what I told my team is I said, listen, guys, there's just no way we can continue working with these guys unless they come to some sensible agreement. So I mean, what I told my team is I said, team, We'll take the 16K. The 16K is better than, you know, just having beef with these guys and and them stiffing everything just because they're crazy. I mean, let's, let's just, we got the 16K. And if these guys want to work with us, they're going to fork up the rest of the money, maybe. I mean, seriously, you know, what's a very interesting circumstance that happened um, about three years ago. This is an interesting story, and it goes to show you shouldn't give up on receivables. I don't know why I've been talking so much in the last couple podcasts about receivables. I just think that the receivables is one of the biggest risks of affiliate marketing business. I mean, let's face it, as an affiliate marketer, we're expected to pay for advertising on our own credit cards or on our own money ahead of time, and then the companies pay us back. I mean, the risk is basically all on us. Um, You know, a lot of you guys listening can sympathize with that, but um, don't give up on receivables that are owed to you. Just be persistent. Be really persistent. And um, this is a amazing story that I'm going to pivot to here. So about when we first got started in the industry, it was a long time ago. At this point, um, oh my goodness, we're almost like 12 years in or something. I mean, I started affiliate marketing when I was 20 years old, give or take. Um, could have been even a tad younger. I was doing it when I was in college. I'm now 32 years old, going on 33 in May. So I mean, we'll be—I'll be 13 years into this industry. Um, my brother is probably 11 years into the industry because he started a year or two um, after me when he when we teamed up together. But so a, a while ago, you know, maybe eight, nine years ago. We got no paid for the first time, and it was a huge hit, a huge hit, because we were just getting started, and what happened was we were driving traffic to an affiliate network, and what happened was the affiliate network got stiffed by their client. It was unrelated to the traffic. It's just the client didn't 
have the money or something, so the clients stiff the affiliate network. And this is another lesson for you guys. Don't think that affiliate networks are any safer than a direct client. Some people work with the affiliate network saying, oh, it's so safe. They'll pay you anyway. It's weekly pay. No, no, no. Guys, half of the affiliate networks are so slimy. They're like, you know what I mean? They're affiliate networks sometimes are very quick not to pay because they've been very trigger happy some of them to blame the affiliates stiff the affiliate oh it was the affiliates oh always been the affiliates fault right so what happened here was that this circumstance came up and the affiliate network didn't get paid like a million bucks or something from their client as a result they just told all of their affiliates that that, that they're not getting paid. Like, guys, I hate to share the news, but we don't have the money to pay. We're not paying. Okay. It was a huge, huge stressor and a huge hit for us at the time because it, it was rough. I mean, we were just getting started. I think literally we only had like $50,000 in the bank, and these people were stiffing us like $22,000 or something. Like, they, it, we were so early on in this game that it's like this no pay was like half of our entire bank balance. It was like, I was freaking out. I was so stressed. I was like, oh my goodness, like, what if our business goes under, right? It's like, if they had stiffed us 50 grand, we would have lost all of our money. It just goes to show that you guys got to be careful. Seriously, be very careful. Don't let receivables get, it's almost like crypto. You know how the crypto people say, don't, don't buy any more than, than you're willing to lose. I, I, in my opinion, I feel like you might want to treat receivables that way. Don't do any more with a client than you're willing to lose. Like if just something hit the fan, like the, let's say the client goes out of business, the client, you know, um, just like dies or something. Like I, I'm not trying to be morbid, but anything could happen, you know? Seriously, what if there's like some black swan event and like the country that the client lives in or something just gets like blown up or something and then there goes your you know what I look I'm not trying to be crazy but anything could happen and we saw that in the coronavirus stuff I mean that lockdown it's like what if everything's going hunky-dory what if there's some new lockdown and then because of it your client just goes broke and then can't pay your invoice it's like maybe you want to treat it like the crypto maybe don't run any more traffic with a single client, then you're willing to lose. And if you follow that mentality, you're not going to go out of business because the worst case scenario is maybe you lose what you were willing to lose or in a worser case scenario, you lose what you were willing to lose across like a basket of clients. I mean, in a super black swanny type of event or, or something. But going back to this scenario, these people... um they ended up stiffing 20, they stiffed this 20,000 bucks. I was so, so kind of like down about it because I'm like, oh my goodness. It's like, this could have put us under. We only had 50 grand. These guys are stiffing basically half of the bank account. This is just, oh, I'm so mad. I'm so mad at them. And like, um, now, you know what's crazy? I kind of, you know, I tried to get paid. I tried to get paid for like four months. Like, sorry, we just don't have the money. The client owed the million bucks. We never got it. We don't have the money. Okay, this is crazy. A couple years ago, about two years ago, 
a new affiliate manager joins this affiliate network because they, okay, even though they stiffed all these affiliates like eight or nine years ago, they still kept running business. They stiffed the affiliates and just carried on. They just carried on. They just stiffed the affiliate and continue doing business. I mean, again, be careful with affiliates. I networks. I used to be optimistic towards affiliate networks, but now I've been like very negative towards them because I feel like sometimes they've just been more risky to work with than... You know, it's just, I just haven't liked them very much. Because um, they've done shady stuff like this, right? Um, some of them. Now, what happened was a couple of years ago, a new affiliate manager joins this affiliate network and he reaches out to me out of the blue. And he goes, Peter, I know you worked with us a while ago. You know, I, we want to work with you again. We want, we, and he actually told me, like, we, we want you to hit this offer or something. And I literally told the guy, I said, if you want me to hit the offer, you got to pay the outstanding invoices. <laughs> and literally, I pull up invoices from eight years ago. And I said, when I was working with you guys eight years ago, this is what I got stiffed. I said, you can probably see it on your payroll. You can probably see it in your books, but I never got paid this 22 grand. And now you're asking me to work with you again, hit these offers, and you're you know, acting like your business is like thriving and stuff. I said, I said, seriously, I would be happy to hit th this offer, but you got to pay, um, you got to pay the, the receivables, right? Now, what's interesting between you and I is it was almost a little bit of a sales tactic on my part though. So in the back of my mind, what I knew is that if I was looking like I wanted to hit their offers, the probability of getting paid was probably higher than I if I wasn't, right? So basically, what I did was I said, you know, guys, set me, literally, guys, set me up with the offer, set me up with the tracking. I'm going to get everything set up on my end, but I'm not going to go live until you pay those past invoices. Literally, I was that aggressive about it. Lo and behold, within a couple weeks, they pay all of the outstanding invoices that they stiffed eight years ago, eight years ago. And I was like, how awesome is that? That like that failure eight years ago turned into a victory of getting the money eight years later. And then I did these guys a favor. Look, I, it wasn't even my favorite offer, but I, I didn't just pretend like I was going to hit the offer and then get paid and disappear. So I, I, I ended up running their offer for a couple months and then it, you know, didn't work so well and it kind of fizzled out. But long story short, I was basically able to collect this receivable that was eight years overdue. I mean, it's like crazy. And I'm so, you know, it just, it's like, yes, you know, victory, <laughs> right? Um, so don't give up on the receivables. Sometimes it might just take like a turnaround or you meet, you know, meet the, sometimes the employees change at companies too. Like, let's say a company stiffed you and then there's a new rep that works there, you might just want to talk to the rep and be like, listen, like I would like to strike up business with you guys again or see what we can do, but there's like these outstanding invoices. Can you look into these things, right? So what I've learned is there's really never too long to collect receivables. Going back to these guys that just... It's so important, though, to, to stand firm to your word, though. It's like if you're not trustworthy with your word... People are not going to really believe a word that you say. Like these guys that, going back to the e-commerce guys, the guys that told me that they were 
not doing any refunds or chargebacks. What they should have done is they should have, if it was me, if it was me, I would have stood on my word is probably what I would have done. Or I would have tried to negotiate the invoice a tiny bit if it was a big loss for me. I would have gone um, to the publisher or whatever. We don't, we don't work with like any, we actually ditch like our entire years ago we used to have an affiliate network we just ditched that a while ago like a year ago we just ditched it it just was annoying it was annoying and it wasn't that um lucrative we're making so much more money doing internal traffic now that we've just switched our efforts to internal only there's full control higher profit margins i'm just all in on this internal thing now but if we were working with affiliates i would have gone to the affiliate and i would said i would have said um listen I owe you $24, but listen, we just got kind of crushed on this traffic. We thought the refunds were going to be, you know, 5%, but they ended up being like 10% or whatever. And is there anything we can do about this for the sake of the relationship? I owe you $24,000. Is there any way that I could pay you like $22,000? Could I get a little bit off this invoice just to kind of cushion this a little bit just for the sake of relationship? Is there anything we could do to make this right? If they had approached me like that, I would have been like, you know what? That sounds kind of fair. They promised the no refunds or chargebacks. They came in higher than expected. Fine. Fine. Let's pay. I would have probably negotiated. Let's pay 22 grand out of the 24. Let's take a couple grand off and let's continue doing business. Instead, they took like this diplomatic approach where they just send a text message and they said, you know, guys, we're looking at the refunds, we're looking at the chargebacks, and, you know, we're not paying that whole invoice. But, but, you know, once we settle this, we want to continue working, we want to continue getting the sales, we want to continue working with, I mean, it's just not the right approach. Now, if the relationship was super important, if the relationship was really, really important, and I was in their shoes, which I hope, you know... these guys just don't know what they're doing. What these guys don't understand is how serious we take this kind of stuff. I'm serious. Like, what? Here's what happened. They thought that they could just pay sixteen thousand dollars out of twenty-four thousand dollars and get away with it. That's probably what they thought. They don't understand. You do that to O2C, we might not talk to you again. <laughs> Seriously, they don't get it. They don't understand. What they also, I don't want to. I don't want to be like bragging or boastful and cocky and stuff, but what they don't, what they also don't understand is that, you know, they're trying to like shaft us like, or short us this small little invoice. What they don't understand is we have clients on the other line. We have clients that pay us 200,000. We got a client paying us 200 grand a day, literally 200 grand a day, one single client. And these guys, like we have clients that treat us well, respect us, like we don't really need these e-commerce guys business. Like, you know, I, I hate what they, I think what these guys thought is they could just kind of weasel their way out of the invoice, kind of shaft it and shave that invoice. And I think they thought they can get away with it. And I think what they're realizing now is they made a huge mistake because them doing this has lost all trust in them. It's turned literally, even if I wanted to start working with them, I don't think my team would even be on the same page. Like, let's say I was like, okay, fine, we'll start working with you. 
I would just get an earful from my team. My team will be like, we're not working with these dudes. They they just like shafted this invoice without like speaking to us. They they didn't even give us a choice. They just like they just came up with this ambiguous number that they would pay on the invoice for absolutely no reason or mathematics like behind it. They didn't even show us the refunds, by the way, too. Like they said they got all these refunds. They didn't even show us the refunds. They just said they got them. I mean, it's like, is it even true? You know, are they just trying to, are they just trying to pay less on the invoice? I mean, <coughs> excuse me. Um, <coughs> sorry. So now, you know what is interesting? What I would have done in this circumstance, though, if the relationship was really important, if I was in their shoes and I'm like, listen, I want to be these optimized guys. They, these guys are like a dime a dozen. These guys are gems. They, their team is solid, they produce volume, it's all in-house. I mean, if I was them looking at us, I would be saying to myself, you know, I want to do everything possible to maintain this relationship. And it's possible that if I was them, I what I probably would have done is I would have leveraged this circumstance to build the relationship. I would have got on a phone if I was them, I would have got on the, on the phone and tried to maybe act like the hero or something. I would have been like, hey, guys, listen, here's what happened. You sent the traffic. We expected the chargebacks to be like 5%. They came in at 10%. It was really high. As a result, we lost like 6000 bucks. But because we value the relationship so much, we're actually going to pay this invoice in full, um, you know, as in good faith, you know, as evidence of how much we value the relationship. Like, seriously, if I was them and I really wanted to keep working with us, I would have sucked it up, lost the 6000 bucks, paid the invoice in full, and then used it as a tool to build up the relationship. I would have said, guys, we lost $6,000. If I was them, I would say, maybe we lost $6,000 on this traffic, but... You know, I just wanted the, you guys to be aware of the situation. We're so thankful for what you do. You guys were able to produce these sales when no one else was able to produce them. By the way, just quick note, no one else was able to even do what we were doing. We were selling this e-commerce stuff over the phone. They couldn't find any other affiliates to even like do this. It was like kind of niche and weird and they couldn't find anyone else to even do it. Um, so yeah, that's what I would have done. I would have, I would have, I would have lost the six thousand bucks for the sake of the relationship. I would have then, I, I, I wouldn't, I would have then have called, and you know, made this big kind of point. Like, listen, guys, we're we're taking one f for the team. We're taking this for you. We got a bunch of refunds and chargebacks, but because of the value of the, this relationship, we're paying this invoice in full anyway. We're taking the $6,000 loss on our end, and we're hoping that in order to make it up, maybe we need to adjust a few things on the back end with the refund and chargeback process, and we're hoping that in order to make up this loss on you, your end, you guys continue to see us as really good trusted partners and that you're able to scale up to like two or three hundred sales a week. So what I would have done if I was them is I would I would have taken the loss on the six grand. I would have then got on, on the phone with Peter Day, optimized to convert. I would have basically acted like the hero for taking this hit, which would have built up the relationship. I would have then used it as a tool to get 
more traffic, perhaps even at a lower price. Like who knows? Maybe the $85 was too high considering the refunds or chargeback. So I would have said, guys, there's only one stipulation. We got to move forward at like 80 bucks. Like maybe the 85 is unsustainable. We just got to move forward at 80 bucks. But, you know, no stress. We took the hit on this one. Is it okay if we move forward on the future sales at 80 bucks? On the flip side, we want to scale up. I would have used it even as a strategy to get more scale. Like, you know, now these guys are having a hard time getting us to work with them whatsoever. I mean, I literally sent them an email the other day, you know, <laughs> alluding to a restaurant. I said, I said, guys, what you are doing, it's like ordering a hamburger at a restaurant, eating it. And then when a bill comes, you say, no, no, no. I only want to pay 70% of that bill. That's it. I mean, that's literally exactly what they're doing. It's like they're going to a restaurant, eating the food, the check comes, and then they just tell the waitress that they're only paying like $70 out of the $100 because they don't like it. I mean, that's literal. And they didn't even respond. Why? Because they know it's true. Sometimes I just like, you know what's crazy? It's it's kind of funny. Like our business does so much revenue, but so, some of the things that have irritated me have been the smallest things like this. I think it's mostly out of principle. It's just out of principle. It's like people need to step up their game and they need to treat people well. So I want to touch upon a few other topics and then we're going to wrap it up and we'll have another episode of the podcast next week. But what you should also focus on doing is try to treat your business like the hospitality business. Don't just think of yourself like a lead broker or a, you know, affiliate or a media buyer or like or a sales rep or like a software, like whatever you do. Don't just think about it like that. Think about it like the hospitality business. The best book that I've ever read in the last three years was from this guy, Tillman Fertitta, who owns like the Bubba Steakhouse. He's this billionaire guy. I really like this guy. I really respect him. I really like his attitude, his philosophy towards business. I really like it. And his book made a huge impact in my business and my life. The book is called Shut Up and Listen. It's such a good book. Honestly, I recommend everyone, even if my own team is listening to this podcast, get the book, listen to the audiobook, read the book. There's so many golden nuggets in this thing because this guy comes from the hospitality business. And basically what he teaches, if you if you start treating your business like the hospitality business, it's you're going to see major changes in what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're a salesperson, a media buyer, you're like the owner of a company, you are just like an affiliate manager at a network. It doesn't matter what your position is. If you start applying these principles, you're just going to see some huge results because what you need to realize is that the hospitality and customer service stuff is so important. And this guy comes, Tillman comes from the casino business, the restaurant business. He's essentially deep in the hospitality business. And if you're able to apply these principles towards um, what you're doing, you're just going to see some really phenomenal results. I mean, one of the quotes that has been standing out from the book for me is having multiple things on your menu. He tells this story where, you know, how many times do you go to a restaurant? Let's say you go to a restaurant 
that serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Let's say you go to the restaurant at night and you say, could I please get a poached egg? Can I please get an omelet? Why is it that 80 to 90% of every restaurant will say, sorry, sir, sorry, ma'am, that's not on the dinner menu? Tillman makes such a good point. He's like, do you know how much it costs to make an omelet? It's like the most ROI on the entire menu. It's like the most profitable thing to do. You just get the four eggs, you, you make it into an omelet in like four minutes. And, and what's crazy is that if you ask for a breakfast item from most restaurants at dinner, they're just going to tell you that they're not serving the breakfast menu because it's dinner. Tillman says what he does at his restaurants is, is if you come in at 11 p.m., there's no breakfast menu for dinner. He says, if you want an omelet, we make you an omelet. He's like, it takes two minutes. You just tell the chef to make an omelet. And then he says, if it's a huge inconvenience, you could even charge a little bit more. You can say, ma'am, I know you want an omelet. It's not on the dinner menu, but here's what we can do. We can make an exception for you. There's only one thing, though. It's usually $14 an omelet, but because we're going to have to go out of our way to make this omelet, is it okay? It's going to have to be 16 because we're literally going to have to custom make you this omelet for dinner. Are you okay with the $16 versus $14 omelet? Boom. You just sold an omelet for dinner when it's not even on the menu for a 10% markup, and you just made a customer extremely happy, and maybe that customer leaves you a review on the Google reviews like you couldn't even believe it i went to you know the restaurant at 11 it was like this fancy italian place they don't even have any breakfast on the dinner menu but like i wanted the like omelets and like that's what me and my husband wanted and you couldn't even believe it but they like they actually made the omelet for me and guys this is what we need to be thinking about in our business we need to be thinking about hospitality going above and beyond and the only thing that's going to make you different than other companies is being different you can't just do the same thing as all the other companies and think that you're actually going to be different better more profitable more lucrative you got to be different outside of the box you need to stand apart i recommend getting this book because it's made a big impact in my company i've actually recommended a lot of our people on the team to listen to the um the book especially people on um we have a, cl a customer service team like we have a client success team and i've recommended a lot of people on the client success team to read this book because if they're working with clients i mean we want to be treating those clients the best they possibly can the the absolute best when it comes to hospitality no pushing back you know what happened the other day i had a client the other day yell at me over the phone for not producing as many leads as they wanted, okay? It was like, you know, I get it. They were frustrated. They wanted a lot of leads. I mean, the, the, the ask was kind of big. You know, they wanted like, you know, thousands of leads, and I came short by like 500 leads. It was like a bad day or something for the leads, right? So I had this client yell at me for um, for not producing as as many leads as they wanted, what I was telling my team, I told my team what happened. Like, listen, client freaked out. They expected like 2,000 leads. They only got 1,500 leads, whatever. What I told my team is, listen, if I ever catch any of people on my team 
yelling at a client, we're going to have a serious conversation. Like, that is not good behavior. I don't understand, like, at these other companies, I don't understand how people can, like, get away with this stuff. Like, seri- I'm, I'm very serious. Like, if I got wind that I have a customer success team, if I have a client success team, and I actually learn that someone on that team yelled and cursed at a client of mine, I would literally be having a sit-down, like, Zoom call with that employee and be like, tell me what happened, why did it happen, this can never repeat itself again. There's, You should never be you know, yelling or cursing or swearing at um, a client or something like that, right? It's, it's just not good. You need to be on your game. And if you're upset about something, you've got to hold back. You've got to use the right words. This is all like very important stuff. And it's what makes, it, it's what can make your business better, bigger, more lucrative, more desirable. Reputation is everything in this industry. The reputation is so important, And that's why we focused on it so much. So, guys, I hope that this has been a great podcast for you. Enjoy your week. Um, Look out for another podcast in about seven days from now. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye.